Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. Hello, DealQuest listeners and viewers. Uh, so this is a solo cast of DealQuest. And for those of you who have not tuned in before, uh, most of the time we do like three guest interviews uh, in a row. And then uh, I do a solo cast. The solo cast tend to uh, either be a drill down on a particular topic or an overview of what I'm seeing in the industry or you know, a view of deals. This time we're going to be talking about licensing deals. Okay, licensing is an underutilized um, deal, I think. And I've talked about it in various contexts for speakers with content, but there's so many things you can license. So let's actually start out there. What are the things that can be licensed? And trust me, this is not going to be a comprehensive list because, um, you know, it's just there's so many things that can be licensed. So, um, one, if you have some sort of invention, like literally, you know, product, invention, things that, that, that you've created, something that's patentable, let's say, okay? And I won't get into details. I'm not a patent lawyer. I refer people out for patents. Um, but, you know, or even if it's not patentable, it's, it doesn't have to be patentable to be licensable. But, you know, you have an invention of some sort. It could be a mechanical product. It could be chemical product. It could be software. It could be, you know, any kind of sort of process. That's all potentially licensable, right? And many of those kind of inventions are the kind of things that inventors will want to license to bigger companies who have manufacturing capability, distribution capability, R&D capability to uh, maybe take the invention to the next level. Um, and you know, very often that's a frustrating time because frankly, in most cases, when a bigger company wants to do a deal for uh, a lot of those kind of technologies, um, they'd actually, they'd prefer not to license it. They'd prefer to buy it from you. If they're interested in it enough, um, they want to be in a position where they own it, right? And the difference is if you're licensing to the company, you may, you may even give them a worldwide exclu uh, exclusive and non-exclusive, doesn't matter, but a worldwide, for these purposes, but a worldwide, you know, uh, in perpetuity license, which means that they have the right to use it forever, right? So why would they care if they don't own it? Well, a few things. First of all, it is still a license, okay, which means that they don't own it, which means that variations, improvements, changes, uh, you know, if there's uh, other technology that changes where they need to modify it, they don't necessarily have the rights to do that. They can potentially negotiate for that within the licensing terms. But again, if you're dealing with big companies, odds are the deal they can, they're going to offer you if you want, you know, if they're interested in whatever you've invented, is we want to buy it from you and we're going to pay you X and that's it. Now, there's sort of a flip where you can you can negotiate, hey, I don't only want to get paid up front, even if I'm willing to transfer the ownership of that intellectual property to you, but I also want to get an ongoing royalty. 
right? So it's almost like it's a license back or it can be structured in, in various ways. It may not technically be a license, can not, not really getting to use it. In most cases, it's just actually a royalty payment for the transfer of the ownership uh, to the big company. The problem with that and the reason why big companies don't like that is that then, you know, if you have good lawyers representing you, you're going to want rights to be able to audit, uh, you know, the revenue that comes in to make sure you're getting paid the right amount, get reporting, get inspection rights and books and records. And big companies usually don't like that. So is it impossible to license an invention to a big company? No, it's not impossible, but but almost, you know, in the far, far, far majority of cases, they're probably going to be looking to buy it. Now, um, on the flip side, if you are a company that owns a great technology, there may be an, an opportunity to license it out to others, right, in non-competitive fields or even in competitive fields. I mean, again, I've, I've talked about this concept of don't always, you know, in, in prior podcast episodes where I talk about don't automatically rule out doing deals with your competitors. In some cases, it may be the stupidest thing you could ever do. But in some cases, the ability to provide, uh, to work with either competitors or Maybe you have competitors that actually uh, have a much better um, sales capability, distribution, you know, wide level, whatever. And as opposed to you only selling this product, you're actually going to make a lot more money if you license the rights out to somebody else. Other scenarios where licenses make sense. I've talked about this, uh, alluded to this in the past. You know, I, uh, I happen to be uh, uh, president of the New York chapter of the National Speakers Association uh, as, of, as of now uh, for this uh, fiscal year. And, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with a lot of speakers, many, you know, I'm a professional speaker amongst uh, my other roles as, you know, attorney and, uh, you know, and, and, and consultant and author and all that stuff. Well, um, so many speakers uh, sell their content, right? basically give it away. You know, the, the company says, hey, want, want you to give a talk. OK, that's fine. But I also want to record it and I want to be able to reuse that. Hmm. Or you have a program, a training program, and I want you to come in and train my people. And maybe, you know, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be smart. I'm not going to just charge my normal fee, but I'm going to charge an additional fee because I'm doing a train the trainer, and then they're going to be able to do it. Well, that's better than the one-time fee, you know, or the lower fee, if you get a higher fee to train the trainer. But what is very possible and underutilized often is you can also say, hey, I'm going to train the trainer. But you know, this content, this curriculum, these, you know, um, handouts, these uh, workbooks, whatever it is that I've created, well, you're going to pay me to train the trainer, but you also need to pay me to license this material to use it. And that's an annually renewable license, right? If you want to continue to use it next year, you got to pay me again. And there are amazing speakers that do that. Bill Cates is a guy I had on uh, an earlier episode. I don't have the episode number handy, but, um, but uh, it was many, probably a year ago, uh, who does a lot of licensing. And we talked about licensing of content for speakers on that, uh, you know, on that episode. It's super underutilized, right? If you have intellectual property, if you have curriculum, if you have things that you've created that are unique to you, that, you know, you are your, you know, uh, thinking, your knowledge, your, the way your formulations, things like that, licensing is a huge way for you to get recurring income. And you know what? It is the fair. I mean, listen, obviously somebody would much prefer to pay you that once and then never pay you again. But the truth is if they're going to get ongoing value from that intellectual property, they probably can't truly pay you enough in a one-time thing to be fair, you know, to you, if you really look at the value that you're going to provide that client, that company. 
And by the way, because you're the creator of that intellectual property, you're probably going to continue to evolve your thinking, uh, to expand on it, to um, create other formulations that come off of it or that improve it. And part of what you can do in a licensing deal is that you can um, build in, right, that additional material or that updated material in the licensing phase so that the uh, client gets updated material that they don't end up with a stale, um, you know, system or product or a set of IP a few years later. So it's beneficial to everybody, even though it's going to cost them more. But I think it's, you know, it's fair. Let's talk about some of the general. And there are so many other examples that I can give, you know, in terms of things that could be licensed. Just think about it this way. Um, anything that is created by you or your team, and that creation could be something physical, or it could be, you know, something more intangible, like intellectual property, it's potentially licensable. And the question is, who would want access to that? Who can leverage that which you've created to create additional income for them? And um, how can you get paid ongoingly to do that? Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. So let's talk about some of the typical questions, terms, things that come up, you know, in the structure of a, of a licensing deal. Um, so the first thing is, what is the licensing fee, royalty, you know, or let's say economic terms? And there are various ways, different industries are a little different uh, on how licensing uh, is done. In some licensing deals, there is a lump sum amount of money up front um, just, just for the rights to get the license. Sometimes there's not. Um, what is very often, you know, a characteristic of a license is that there is some sort of ongoing royalty or percentage, um, you know, that, that, that happens, whether or not there's also an upfront uh, chunk of money that you get paid. And that can be paid annually, semi-annually, quarterly, monthly. Um, you know, it, it really is all over the map. Quarterly is pretty common in a lot of industries, but it doesn't have to be. Um, and uh, so, and so the, then the question is, what is the percentage of the of the royalty, right? Well, that really varies industry by industry. So one of the things you want to do is you're going to you know learn what are the uh, parameters, what are the deals that are done in your industry, what is the usual royalty rates, you know, for licensing this type of content or this type of invention, uh, you know, and 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 get a feel for for that. And then obviously some of it's subject to negotiation. And then the other question is, you know, because the royalty rate's only one part of it, but then what is the base? It's so it's you know it's going to be five percent, it's going to be eight percent, it's going to be twelve percent, whatever it is. Of what is the next question? Well, in most cases, and this is not always the case, but in most cases, if you are the license or you're going to want to base that royalty rate on uh, top line revenue. The reason is because once you get below top line revenue, certainly if you get down to profit, right, you know. Net operating income, EBITDA, any of those um, other measures where you're subtracting expenses and costs and other things like that off of the top line revenue, there's a lot of ability to manipulate and or control and make decisions that affect that net number. So that's why most royalty deals 
most licensing deals are done as a percentage of gross revenue, or if there's a very clear sort of, let's say, cost of goods sold or other thing that comes off where you get to a, a very uh, clearly defined, easily defined net revenue number, where you know what's subtracted is very clear so that there's no games you could do it potentially off of a, a net revenue number. Um, and then, you know, as part of that, like I said earlier, you're going to want, and it's appropriate to get reporting, right? Because listen, you are the one, the licensor, the licensee is the company producing the revenue. You don't necessarily have any way to know what they're making. So normally they're going to send you a report. You're going to, re they're going to be required to send you a report with your, let's say, quarterly payment. And then you're going to have, want these audit rights to say, hey, well, they're sending me a report, but how I know the report's right. And uh, you're going to want the right to come in or have a professional come in to audit the books and records. There's some nuances around that. Sometimes people will negotiate that right only, let's say, once a year because they don't want people coming in all the time. It's very disruptive. Um, there's uh, questions about who pays for that audit. And, uh, and very often you'll negotiate some sort of clause to say, hey, if the audit checks out and everything's good, well, licensor, you're the one who wanted the audit. We were on mark your problem, you should pay for it. Uh, from the licensor point of view, you're going to want to say, well, if we find that the, that the order is off and that you, um, and that you uh, uh, owe, um, uh, you know, that, that you paid us X, but you owe us more, uh, then, you know, we're going to want you to pay for the audit. It gets complex. Sometimes they say, well, we're not going to pay for it if it's off only a minor amount. It's got to be off by, you know, more or they're going to have a right to sort of contest the audit. So there's all kinds of provisions you want to put in around that. But fundamental level, royalty rate, on what base, how do you confirm it through reporting and audit rights? All right, next, um, big thing is, okay, is this deal exclusive or non-exclusive? And depending upon your industry, depending upon your stage, depending upon, um, let's say, maybe geography, um, you may have a deal that's exclusive. Excuse Thought I was going to sneeze there. Um, okay, so um, you may have a deal that is exclusive, or you may have a deal that's not exclusive, and there's some nuances in between. How do you make a decision on whether you should give exclusivity or not? Well, first of all, um, if you are the licensor, you want to lean towards trying to do non-exclusive deals, obviously, because if I can do a deal with you, and then I could also do a deal with five other people, I have more upside opportunity. But sometimes that's not appropriate, certainly not if they're going to be competing, because if somebody's paying you a license fee, they want to know that they have the rights to um, use that, at least in a particular territory, geography, industry segment, or things like that. I mean, you can chop it up in whatever way you want, depending upon what the product is that's being or service or IP that's being licensed and what the uh, licensee is going to use it for, right? So if they're localized uh, geographically, you might be able to limit it that way. If, they, if you have a technology or IP that can be used in multiple industries, and you know this particular uh, company focuses in healthcare, you can potentially give them an exclusive in healthcare, but still be able to you know, have other companies use it in financial services, right? Automotive or whatever it is, okay? So that's another way you can do it. Um, one of the mistakes that I see people make um, is that they um, sometimes will grant exclusivity, even if it might be limited by geography, whatever, or sometimes I see them grant, you know, 
national or worldwide exclusivity without there being any parameters. And the problem is when you're licensing to somebody, you only make money. I mean, they may be paying you something up front. There even sometimes could be a fixed minimum, right? Quarterly fee. And that's one of the points that that I, you know, that, that we're going to here is that um, you ideally as a licensor want to try to negotiate a minimum, for, especially if there's exclusivity, right? You know, if there's not exclusivity, maybe you have more flexibility. But even in that case, you probably want some minimums because why are you going to keep that relationship going? Uh, you know, uh, if they're not producing anything at all. Um, but the minimums might be lower. Certainly for exclusivity, there should be, it's much more important to have minimums and they're likely going to be higher because in order to maintain that exclusivity, the licensee should be producing at least X. And X obviously is something that makes it worthwhile to you as a licensor to give them exclusivity either overall or in that geography or in that industry sector or whatever it is. Um, I see, it's shocking to me how many licensing deals I see without, with exclusivity clauses, without any, any, any minimums to be able to meet, be met. Now, what happens if the minimum is not met in a licensing deal? And if you're the licensee, that's something that you have to worry about, right? You might, might go in and be pitching to the licensor, hey, we're going to make you a lot of money. We can, you know, take this technology, take this uh, content, whatever it is, and really blow it up in this particular area. Uh, and you may make a lot of sales promises. Well, if the licensor is smart, they're going to try to hold your optimistic sales uh, promises to be the minimums that you have to make, that you have to meet, right, to, uh, to either maintain exclusivity or maybe to even maintain any rights under the contract. So minimums could be used to say, hey, if you don't meet the minimum, then the license becomes non-exclusive. So you lose your exclusivity, but you don't lose the license. Or there could be minimums as well. They could be the, the same number, or sometimes there's a two-tier. At this level, you lose exclusivity. At this level, we can terminate the contract, right? Um, and, you know, and those are both appropriate things to think about because, again, if somebody is a licensee of your product, you want them producing income for you under that license or else why be in it? And why not have the opportunity to bring someone else in? Um, so... Uh, there's other things that often come up in licensing deals. For example, um, you may have some obligations uh, as the licensor to do certain things around, you know, keeping the uh, the, you know, the brand. Uh, maybe let's say, you know, doing some national advertising uh, and things like that. Now, this is where we get very tricky. You got to be careful because different states have different laws, and especially when certain controls come in to place. Um, you could move from what's uh, from a license to a franchise, which is regulated not only in the states, but also by federal law. So you want to speak to somebody who really understands that, especially if you're going to have certain levels of uh, like quality, like, you know, listen, let's take it easy franchise McDonald's, right? Um, you know, or any of the, those kind of food places or, you know, a lot of examples. Let's take McDonald's, right? In McDonald's, you know, you need to have, uh, you know, you need to serve the 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 things on the menu that are McDonald's, you know, things. You can't go out and just introduce your own products without corporate approval. Um, you know, McDonald's could do some advertising for you. There's a way that you have to cook things. There's a way that the store, that the that the restaurant needs to look, right? You know, the, the old golden arches or so, so many served or whatever it is. Um, you, you are restricted from making certain decisions. In a licensing deal, you don't necessarily have all those restrictions and you, you know, and you don't become a franchise if you're not controlling at that level. 
but you're going to want to have some standards in there, right? Because of what you're not going to want to happen is that you don't want a licensee to be um, ruining your brand, right? Because it's your intellectual property. You're just licensing to them. And again, they may be non-exclusive uh, or only exclusive in a certain area. So, um, you know, if they are ruining your reputation because they're doing something really bad with the brand, you know, uh, uh, or the content or the invention, whatever, you're going to have clauses in the licensing agreement that are going to allow you to get out of it. Um, so the, you are going to have certain controls over the way they do stuff, but a franchise usually has systems in place and many more restrictions again uh, around look and feel of locations around the product and how it's got to be produced, uh, limitations on putting other you know products with it and things like that. So in concept, you hear the difference, but where the line is between a license and a franchise is very tricky. So you want to make sure you get you get advice on that if you're going to do you know if you're going to do a license. Um, you know, and different states are different. I mean, I had a client many years ago ran into trouble with this in California, especially because they are very, they interpret uh, franchise law as very you know as being uh, it's a very liberal definition. Let's just say. Um, okay, so. Um, so what is, you know, who, who are the people, how do you find licensees? Well, listen, or licensors, it depends upon the industry that you're in. Okay. Um, and you know, there are, are, uh, different folks, um, you know, they're actually like brokers for M&A deals. There are people who put together licensing deals, license or licensee, you know, sort of broker those deals. Um, certainly, um, you know, uh, you, you, there may not even be, let's say a, a regular practice, but doesn't mean you can't create a license. Remember, if you see somebody who can benefit from your invention, technology, intellectual property, et cetera, there's always an opportunity to, uh, to license it. Um, there are other, I won't get into the details of the other kind of legal protections that we want in, you know, in the license agreements, but listen, a license agreement is a complex enough document. You want to get support advice, work with your counsel, work with your attorneys, you know, uh, uh, to do that um, because there are a lot of things that go wrong, but it's also an unbelievably lucrative opportunity. And it is one of the most significant, I think, underutilized deal types that there, that there is out there. I mean, there are certain industries um, more on the tech side and, you know, on, uh, you know, uh, uh, high tech and, and that kind of stuff where, you know, it's sort of part of the culture, but there are other uh, opportunities in industries where it could be used and, uh, and it's, and it's often not. If you have any questions, you want to even just brainstorm about licensing opportunities, uh, you know, in your company, either to license out, uh, you know, to be a licensor, to license out um, IP or technology, or you think that you might want to license certain intellectual property, et cetera, from another company, and you have questions, feel free to reach out to us. We do we do plenty of this, uh, this work and we're happy to help. Um, but just start thinking about licensing as one of the many potential types of deals that you can do. You don't always have to buy or sell the technology, the services, the content, although that may be a very legitimate way to go, but at least consider well whether this particular thing that you've created may be better, more lucrative, have, you may have, may have more control over it, you may be able to get it out there and earn recurring income from it if you license it instead. Folks, thanks for listening. Corey Kupfer, DealQuest Podcast. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. 
Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.